for us? What does the gospel do to our hearts? And, and last week, we looked at the fact that the gospel changes the way we love people, changes the way we respond to people, and our love is authentic, it's deep, and we end up loving people even that we once used to hate. This week, Paul's still continuing with this theme of how we respond appropriately to certain things as a result of the gospel, but he moves into something a little bit different. In chapter 13, he starts to speak specifically about how the gospel causes us as Christians to respond appropriately to authority. Man, and this is one of those really challenging ones for every single one of us, because believe it or not, we all have some issue with authority. It's just in there because of our sinful nature right? You can be walking down the road and you can see a bench on the side of the road and you won't think anything of it, but walk down the same road and see the same bench and, put there and have there be a sign there that says, don't touch. All of a sudden, that bench becomes far more attractive to you than it's ever before, right? Because there's something drawing you to this thing that's never been there before. And we're challenged with the idea of not being told to do something by somebody. We, we hate being told what to do. We hate this idea of authority, and, and we've got to really wrestle with that as Christians. It's just a part of our sinful nature. And so Paul begins to address this, and it's obvious that he starts to speak about the authorities that he does, because every single one of us is subject to the authorities that he mentions. We all have people in authority over us in our lives, and we're all part of one structure or another where there's a hierarchy of leadership, role, and responsibility, and we all are people in submission somewhere or, one, or another in our lives. So, um, so, so Paul's going to be pointing out, um, it might seem weird for you that he takes this, this, this leap from, from teaching us how to love our enemies and, and overcoming evil with love to uh, submission to authority. But what he actually begins to do is point out to us that it's not so far removed as one might think because submitting to authority actually means ultimately submitting to God and loving God. Submitting to authority and respecting authority structures that God has put in place is about submitting to God, whether we like that idea or not. That's what Paul essentially unpacks for us in our passage this evening. So we're going to be reading uh, Romans chapter 13, verse 1 to 7. Here's what Paul says as he's speaking to the church in Rome. He says this, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, Whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment upon themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from a fear of one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's given servants. You give their, you, who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe them taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, 
than honor. Lord, we want to thank you for your word and just want to pray that as we unpack it this evening, that you'd bless it, breathe on it, Lord, and instill it in our hearts that it would challenge us so we can be people who bring you glory in Jesus' name. Now, you might think that this is quite a radical teaching nowadays because it is really. This whole idea of um, bucking against authority is huge. But it's not just a really hectic topic and a challenging one to preach on nowadays. It was as radical in Paul's day and in some ways even more radical. You must remember Paul was a Roman citizen writing to the church in Rome, but he was also Jewish, and the Romans had conquered the Jewish people. The Romans were the ruling power of that day, and the Jewish people were in submission to them. They were essentially a conquered people living under the oppression of the Roman Empire. And most Jews viewed Romans as their enemy. A Roman centurion, a Roman soldier could walk up to anybody at any time, a Jewish person, and say, hey, carry my bags for me. And you would be forced to carry them. You were obligated. You were legally bound to carry that soldier's um, equipment for a mile, no further, no further legally, but you were legally bound to do that. You couldn't resist. If you did, you'd be chucked into prison, possibly even lose your life. So Paul in this situation, writes something uh, that for most Jewish believers would have been quite weird to process. He says, hey, rather be supportive, rather be submissive. Don't be people who like the zealots who would kick against authority. The zealots were a bunch of people who were politically motivated. They just wanted to overthrow the government. They just, they just wanted to cause chaos so that the Roman government would be taken down. They would carry swords. They were always fighting. Paul says, don't, don't be like that. Despite what leadership may look like to you, what they might be doing, there's something really significant that happens when we respond the way God intends us to respond. And down the centuries, godly men and women have taught the same thing. This is not a, a new concept. It's not a new idea for us now today. This has been taught for generations. And, and as we read the passage, we'll see that Paul, and as we've read the passage, as we unpack it, we're going to unpack it under three headings, because Paul gives us at least three principles for why submission is better than rebellion against those in authority. And he has, he has the first principle that Paul establishes. He says this, right? God established the principle of government and authority. That's why we submit, and we don't form a group called the zealots in the 21st century to overthrow what God has established. He says this, there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Here's Paul's point. You submit because God's established this authority. And for some of us, it's really difficult to digest, especially when we look at how some um, government officials respond and react, how corrupt they are, how indecent they are, how it doesn't seem that they care much about anything to do with governing well except their own personal needs get satisfied. We think about people outside of maybe government, but in our schools, in our workplaces, on, in sports teams, in families who've abused authority. And we think, how can it be possible for us to submit to this and embrace this? And Paul's first principle is this, because God has established it. That's why. 
And he's not alone in his opinion on this. Peter, Peter also writes, this is what Peter says. He says, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted amongst men, whether to the king as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Neither Paul nor Peter tell us that God-established authorities are always going to be authorities that we agree with and enjoy being under. But what they do say is the fact that they exist, by virtue of the fact that they exist, they require your submission. Already for some people, that's like, oh, I have some questions. Some really deep challenges there. Every single one of us faces that wrestle. We're not only told to submit to them when it's something that we can buy into and like and enjoy we don't just submit to our government because it's the government we voted for. We don't rebel simply because it's the government we didn't vote for. There's a kingdom principle at play that goes way beyond anything I think we can fully understand. But one of the things that Paul and Peter were saying to us is this. You submit because God's established it. Every single one of the servants that God has in place in the position of authority is delegated responsibility and authority by God and has been placed there. And if you think about my family, often I'll be sitting with my son uh, or I'll be sitting with my daughter and I'll need to get a message to one of them who's playing outside in the garden and something dangerous is happening or something's breaking or I need them to come and bath or have supper, right? But I'm maybe possibly too lazy or too busy to go outside myself. And so I will say to you, say, David, hey, please won't you go and call Abigail and tell her to come inside, and what I've done there is I've given him authority to go and to call her. And so he marches out and he says, hey, Abs, please come inside. And she might look at him and go, not a chance. And she does, right? Or she might, and then he might say to her, hey, dad has told me to come and to call you to come inside. Now, the first time if she says no, that's fine. He's got no authority to tell her what to do. But as soon as he says, but dad has told me to call you in, and she says no, what happens? Trouble happens. That's what happens, all right? Trouble happens. Not because David in and of himself has authority, but because I've delegated authority to him. And in a very similar way, it's how God works with the people. He's established an authority here on earth. When we say no to something they're saying we should be saying yes to, we aren't necessarily just saying no to them. We're kicking against the goad in heaven because God has established that authority. There's delegated authority been given. Now, what Paul and, uh, and Peter are not saying, what Paul is not saying in this passage is that God is necessarily pleased with every leader. Every leader doesn't represent God in the sense that they are godly and they're doing what God wants them to do, but they're there because God has placed them there, and the structure is there because God has established that structure. What they're saying is that we should respect the principle of authority, even if that authority, or even when that authority gets abused and administered purely, poorly. Like God may not always be 
pleased with the leader in the position of authority, but he's always pleased with the principle of government and authority and order. And Paul makes it clear as we read here that God's established these principles and this government and governance and the idea of order for our good. It's not just something that he's put together willy-nilly so that we can suffer and so that we can have something to work through. This is something God has done for the good of his people and for those under authority. It's for the purpose of keeping order in society. It's for the purpose of reigning in that sinful desire to do stuff that's bad. Without government, there would be chaos. And some might go, well, there's already chaos in government. There's already chaos in this world. And I would say, yes, but you don't truly know what it would be like without government at all. It would be anarchy. And so there's a place where, where government plays a role in, in bringing about the desire of God and that we're all able to live relatively well. And it very much links with, with the, if you were here last week, with that call that the Christians have, the Christians have to, to live lives in such a way where we hate evil, we abhor evil, and do what is good. The government, in the same sense, and complementary to the role of the Christian, is called to punish evil and reward what is good. The difference is, as, as Christians, we're not equipped as individuals to punish evil, but the government is. And so they become God's agents in this world administering his justice. Remember last, year, last week, uh, we read that passage in Romans 12 where God says, vengeance is mine and I will outwork it. You love instead of repay evil for evil. Well, the way God outworks his vengeance sometimes is through the governing authorities in our lives. The second point is this. First one, we submit to authority because God's established that principle. The second one is this. Good citizenship makes sense. We submit to authority. The gospel gets a hold of our heart, and we submit to authority because God's established it. We know that. But also because being a good citizen makes sense. This is what Paul unpacks here. He alludes to the fact that, that being a good citizen is good for two reasons. One, right? Being obedient to the governing authorities frees us from having to worry about being in trouble. And that's a good reason. If we obey the law, government is no threat to us most of the time. Here's what he says, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear? Then do what is right and you will be commended. We know this principle. It works in most areas of life as well. You do well, you're rewarded. You don't have to be worried. You do bad and there's punishment. Leaders are put in place to do good. And when we submit to government, when we submit to authority, in most cases, it works out well for us. Paul's going, this just makes sense, guys. When the gospel gets us, we don't kick against authority. We submit to it because this is a good thing. We're submitting to God, and we're putting ourselves in a place where we can be blessed. The second practical reason for submitting is this that when you do wrong, one, you fear, but two, you fear punishment, and you could be punished. There's a very real blessing that comes with being obedient and submissive to the authority structures that God has put in place in our life. Here's what Paul says, if you do wrong, be afraid. I tell you, we went to Mozambique on mission trip a couple of times. 
I was terrified to do anything wrong in that country. I don't know, not just Mozambique, anywhere, but particularly there, because I was told the story about a guy who didn't want to submit to some of the traffic authorities, even though they might have not really been the most um, upstanding of characters. And he got chucked in jail and spent 15 years there awaiting trial. But I picked up every piece of paper I could find on the floor, right? I made sure that I was in incredibly good visiting South African citizen in that country for fear of being punished. I didn't want to have to spend 25 years in a prison waiting for someone to hear from me that I'm really sorry. This is a principle that Paul's speaking about. He says, don't be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. In other words, government benefits those who submit and punishes those who do wrong. At least that's how God has intended it to work. Paul teaches that God has given the government power and authority to enforce what is right and to punish what is wrong. And without that ability to do that, without that power, without that structure, without the need for us to submit, without the call for us to submit, there would be chaos. We see a negative example of this. I hear it all the time about teachers in school places or places of education where power and authority largely has been removed from the educator and administrators. And as a result, there is a staggering lack of respect for teachers and administrators. That's just one example. But when there's a godly authority and structure that's been set up and put in place and you remove authority and power and you render it null and void, godly order gets flipped upside down and chaos ensues and the enemy has his way. We must remember that God has given the authorities power to restrain our sinful tendencies. I often find it so weird that if I'm driving, um, and it's going to be a bit of a confession time, and, uh, and I see somebody on their phone, I get so angry, right? I get so angry because there's a story back in my hometown where a woman killed a young boy at a shopping mall because she was texting on her phone and didn't see him crossing the road and, and, and drove over him. And so I get angry when I see that happening, right? And I'm like, you idiot, you're driving, Right, and then I'll look down at a text that's just come through on my phone or pick up quickly and, and stick it onto voice, an audio thing, and be like, hold on, I'm just driving, and I've just seen this idiot on a phone as well. Right? I'll, just, I'll call you back just now. Now, I've got to repent because somehow what's good for one person is not necessarily good for me. And we see that happening all the time when it comes to authority. In our own lives, we can reject it, but other people are supposed to be submitted to it. God gives the sword to the government so that they can pursue justice with authority and bless those and protect those who are law-abiding citizens. The third principle is this. First one is we submit to authority because God's established authority. Any authority is God-given authority. Any authority structure is a God-ordained authority structure. We also submit because it makes sense to submit biblically. Thirdly, 
God wants his people to be the best citizens possible, and that means we do it from the heart, not just because we have to. He, he goes on, he says this in, in verse 5, Therefore it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but because it is a matter of conscience. Also submit because of conscience. And what Paul is speaking about there is conscience before the Lord. We do what's right because it's good before the Lord to do this. In other words, we're not just obedient because we're scared of getting whacked in prison or we're scared of being punished. We're obedient because we know obedience honors God. We submit because we know that if we don't, whether we get away with it or, whether we get away with it or not, it's neither here nor there. But before God, we've got a clear conscience. He says, this is what we need to do. It's a heart issue. See, the truth is this, being a good citizen is not just about doing what's right and wrong because the government says so. It's about submission to God ultimately in all areas of life. You'll find often one of the, one of the, one of the biggest things, one of the areas where you can easily be attacked is this whole idea of people being above you in authority and you resisting that. We challenge with that all the time. I have no idea how many times I've heard about people, or heard people speaking about their boss at work, or their dad or their mom at home, or their teacher at school, or the principal at school. Or a couple of years ago, even last year, the year before that, Jacob Zuma, Julius Malema. How many times people have bad-mouthed them, spoken negatively about them, and somehow thought that that was honoring God just because they were bad people, or according to us, bad people. I'm not saying they haven't done bad stuff. I'm just saying the amount of complaining that happens, especially from Christians, for me is sometimes really disheartening. We need to have a clear conscience before the Lord. Paul says here, consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has established. So here's the point. Submission and, and obedience which is based only on fear of being punished, is incomplete. It's, it's incomplete for a Christian. It's like, it's like only desiring to be sexually pure because you're scared of getting a sexually transmitted disease. Right? It's a good place to start, but when you stand before the Lord one day, the answer is not, oh Lord, I was scared of that stuff. It's a good guardrail to have up. But God, I avoided that because you said no. You, this was about honoring you, God. And as a result of honoring you, it's a whole level deeper. As a result of honoring you, I avoided that stuff. Obedience to authority structures and to the government in our land is not, is not complete if it's just because you're scared of being punished. See, the gospel causes our hearts to change. This is what Paul's getting at. I want your heart to change, God says. And when your heart is changed, you're submissive, not because you're afraid, but because you want to honor God. That's what happens. I think about, I think about my dad all the time when it, when it comes to this. There, there were times when my dad's asked me to do stuff, and I just did it because I knew if I didn't, I, I, would, I would get a hiding. I knew it. Or I wouldn't be allowed to go to a friend's place. Or I wouldn't be allowed to watch TV or play games or, or do whatever it was. There was a punishment, and I deeply appreciated that. But there were times where I just did it, and I was dragging my feet to do it. 
but I did it because I knew punishment was going to come. And then there were times, and as I got older and as I matured, I realized there's a relationship here, and I love my dad, and I love helping him. And when he asked me to do the same thing, the attitude was different because it's like, I want to do what my dad wants me to do, simply because he wants me to do it. And I love him, and I want to bless him, and I want to honor him. I don't want to make the request difficult. I don't want to make his life hard. There's an honor in doing that. And if you're an employee or employer and you have employees, you'll know you'll get some who are a real joy and blessing to give work to. And there are some who just really just sucks to go and ask him to do anything. Because the response is, oh, do I have to? Right? It's, yes, because you get paid to do it. But it still really sucks, that attitude. Now, in the church, it's also difficult at times because we don't pay you to serve there's a sense in which this is your duty before the Lord. And, and, and to be honest, there are people who it's so easy to go up to and go, hey, would you help to do this? And the answer is, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. And it's like, yes. And then there are times where you're like, yeah, we really need people to step up, but I'm too scared to ask because it's, it's going to be, they'd rather be at the dentist without anesthetic having teeth pulled. And it happens all the time, and I think sometimes we can do that. And God's, God's point to us here is this. When it comes to being submissive, we need to really allow him to work on our hearts because for some people, submission is like having your teeth being pulled. And you just do it for fear of being punished because you feel like you have to, and it becomes a drag, and we're not really communicating the heart of God in this thing. The gospel changes our hearts, and it becomes about honoring God. And you think to yourself, well, why? Why is conscience so important? And here's why. When we violate our conscience and we hinder our conscience, we hinder our fellowship with God and with other people. As soon as you're not being conscientious in your submission and knowing that this is ultimately about God, you sear your conscience and then you become ineffective. When you, when you violate your conscience and you become guilty in your thinking, it makes you less sensitive to sin and more vulnerable to attack from the enemy. A guilty conscience makes us more tentative and less bold in proclaiming the gospel. Also, because of a defiled conscience, we tend towards legalistic external pretenses. We fake it. We know in our hearts is, and in our minds there's turmoil because we're not submitting for the right reasons. Sometimes we're not even submitting. And so there's this guilty conscience that we carry, and some of us aren't even guilty about the lack of submission we have in our lives, and we just get more and more desensitized. In other words, mere outward compliance, mere outward compliance is not enough. It's not wrong, but it's not enough. God desires his people to have a fuller, deeper, richer understanding of what it means to submit and why it's important. If we don't learn proper submission to parents, to teachers, to coaches, to governments, whatever authority structure we find ourselves having to submit to, if we don't learn that, or if we kick against it, and if it's an issue for us, it can and possibly is, it can be and possibly is a huge red flag indicator that maybe our relationship with God is an illusion as well. Because primarily, you're ultimately, first and foremost as a Christian, called to submit to the king. And if submission is an issue in the smaller areas of life, how much more is it probably a massive issue for you in the most important area? 
we should really be the best citizens we can be. Not to get a naughty badge from people, but to be blessed by the Lord and to honor Him. But that leads to this question. We're going to sort of wrap up with this this evening. What happens if government abuse their role and responsibility? What happens if those in authority do stuff in such a way that we just feel like we can't do this? How, how far does submission go, essentially? What happens, what happens if, for example, government passed a law that says we can no longer worship? What happens if, for example, we're told that we can't talk about our faith? What happens if we're told that we have to hand in every single Bible we own and that every single app that's available in the app store that's, uh, that's got to do with Christianity is not going to be available for those people in South Africa because government has legislated that? What happens if an employer asks you to do something illegal or unethical at work? What happens if a teacher asks you to place yourself in an inappropriate position or to do something inappropriate and illegal at school? What happens if that happens? What happens if a doctor asks you to assist with a procedure that you believe is unethical and ungodly? What happens if a coach or a religious leader asks you to do something that you know goes against God's word. Just how far does submission go? Here's the principle. It's very simple. Whatever authority seeks to overrule God's authority, we must resist that. We must resist that. It says right in the beginning that every authority has been instituted and established by God. Therefore, God is the creator and the dreamer up of and the instiller and, and maker of godly structures that govern and have authority over people. He supersedes them. They're all under him. If any authority seeks to usurp godliness and the character of God and the goodness of God and the righteousness of God, we resist that. There's a place for civil disobedience in the life of a Christian, but we do this with respect and with honor. As much as we have a stronger reason for submission, because submission ultimately is about submitting to God, we have a strong reason for disobedience because we don't want to disobey God, who's the ultimate authority. And if you're forced to disobey God, you resist. It's happened through the ages, and it's been something that godly men and women have done for years. Biblical examples are Daniel, who was told he wasn't allowed to pray. He prayed and was thrown into the lion's den. Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were told to, well, when the music played, bow down to a golden um, idol. They didn't. And they said, respectfully, king, we won't do this. And they were chucked into a, a burning furnace. Peter and John were told to stop talking about Jesus and they said, we're not going to stop talking about Jesus. In fact, their words were, who should we obey, God or men? It was rhetorical. They obeyed God and got chucked into prison. So we resist when governing authorities and, and people in authority over us tell us to do something that's counter God's word. But I just want to say this, we do it with respect and honor, and you may end up in a furnace or in prison or going through some tough times. The challenge is that the gospel gets hold of our heart in such a way that we respond differently to the world. 
We're ex- we expect the world to fight against governments and authority and to kick against the goat. But God expects his people to be examples. And, and we haven't read it, but Paul ends this whole passage off with, remember the coming day of the Lord. In chapter 12, he speaks about doing this stuff in light of what God's done. In chapter 13, Paul goes, hey, right at the end, remember Jesus is coming again. We're citizens of another place. This is not our kingdom. Behave yourself well here because it brings me glory. And then he gives some really practical responses to this in verse 6 through to verse 7. As a conclusion to what he's saying about being submissive to governing authorities, he goes, here's how you can practically do this. Pay your taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. Revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. In other words, Christians, pay your TV license. Pay your road fines. Obey the speed limits. Don't talk on your cell phones while you're driving. It means make sure that you're honest on your tax return. There's a story of a guy who cheated on his taxes and felt really guilty and uh, wrote a letter and sent 50 bucks back to SARS and says, I cheated on my taxes, here's 50 bucks. If I can't sleep, I'll send the rest later, right? <laughs> Just a joke. But whether it's an employer whether it's the government, a supervisor, a parent, a coach, an elected official, whatever position of leadership, God calls us to be people who respond well, who aren't not necessarily doormats, but who know what it means to submit and why. Just like last week, when you love authentically, it's evidence that the gospel has got a hold of your heart. When you submit authentically and you respond well to authority, it's evidence that the gospel has got hold of your heart because it's a kingdom principle that we will love authority. We will love godly order. We will love godly structure. We will love discipline because God is the God of order, of structure, of discipline, and ultimately all authority is his. And as his people, he's called us to be exemplary in this area. So lastly, we need to be praying for those in authority, praying for them and their families, praying that they can handle the stress of the responsibility they carry. We should be speaking respectfully to them. We should be respecting them in front of their faces and behind their backs because ultimately whether they hear you or not, God does. In all things, we're supposed to remember that our ultimate purpose is to bring glory to God. And as we live out our lives with honor and respect for those that God has put in authority over us, especially when we disagree with them and we don't like them or their policies or principles, especially then when we are honoring and we are kingdom people with a kingdom mind and a kingdom response, we become effective in our primary goal of honoring God and winning people for Jesus. Amen? That's what Paul is encouraging us to have with. And so just in response tonight, we're just going to pray. We don't have time for another song. But I feel like we need to do some business with God and repent of our hearts toward authority. Whether it's a misspoken word about one of our presidents 
or about our government, whether it's a misspoken word about a mom or a dad or a teacher or a coach. I'm not saying the stuff that they did wasn't wrong. I'm saying we've missed a point here that ultimately submission and that attitude is not honoring to God. And we come before the Lord tonight and we break that off and we go, God, we want to be submissive, godly people who respect you. And I really feel like there will be people who don't understand, and there are people who don't understand just how significantly this is affecting you. When you can't submit and you hate authority and you grind your teeth at the thought of being told what to do, and you do it just because you feel absolutely compelled to do it, you don't understand how much bondage you're actually really in. And your relationship with God will even change. There have been so many people who have been chucked into prison and ended up in a really bad place in life because they haven't experienced the freedom of Jesus when it comes to breaking this thing of resisting authority. Let's pray together, and you can spend time in your own heart before the Lord. You know what God has challenged you with? So I trust the Spirit to minister to you. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you love us and you care for us. And I want to pray for your people tonight, Lord, where you've brought conviction, where this word has just not sat well with us because it's touching on that sensitive part of our, of our sinful nature that just hates the idea of authority and being told what to do. Lord, where we start to come up with all sorts of reasons why we're justified in our lack of submission and our lack of godliness when it comes to authority. I want to pray that, Lord, you'd come and you'd minister to us. And where people are willing, I pray, bring freedom and release in Jesus' name. God, forgive us for where we've set ourselves up against authority structures. God, forgive us where we've become guilty of even in our thoughts and our minds and, and our, just our words, repaying evil for what we perceive to be evil. God, forgive us in Jesus' name. And may we be a people whose hearts are got a hold of by the gospel. May we be a loving and submissive people in a way that is godly and God-honoring. Bless you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Um, we're almost at the end of our series. We're going to just end it like that tonight. If there's anything that